Good morning. I, uh, I've seen the quote Connie put up there. You may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And, uh, has nothing to do with what I'm talking about necessarily. Well, I guess it always does. But man, what a quote. If, if you, uh, ever want to see somebody's faith who walks with Jesus through anything, research Corey Timboom. That lady went through it. And, uh, she's such a testimony. Um, so we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17 today. Uh, well, at the beginning at least. And, uh, Pastor Chad asked me the other day if I still remember how to preach, and we're going to find out together today if I do, and uh, we'll see. But uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse 36, this is uh, one I reference a lot. It's David right before he is about to go take on Goliath. And uh, there's a lot to be said in this, uh, so we're going to read verse 36. says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And uh, before I go on to the rest of it, I just want to ask you something. When you're facing something big, do you have that mindset? Like, God's going to do this. Like, are you eagerly going into that battle? Are you ready to fight? Or are you sitting back thinking, like, what am I going to do like the rest of the Philistines, right? David's excited. Like, I I wish I could have seen his face in this moment. I mean, he's young, obviously, but I wish I'd seen his face in this moment because he looks like, wait until you see what God's going to do, right? Then it says, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go. He tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. A lot of feedback. I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistines. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today, Lord. God, I pray that that you would just speak to our hearts today, God. Get me out of your way, Lord. You speak to us, Lord. Let your message come through, Lord. Let us receive what you have for us and let us all be changed by what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, You always hear a lot of preaching on this. You hear a lot of uh, commentaries. You see different things. A lot of people believe that whenever Saul gave David his armor, the reason why David could not wear it was because it was too big because Saul was considered the tallest man in in the area. I don't believe that's the case. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that it was too big. Never does it say that. Honestly, if you're fitting somebody with armor, you're going to find somebody who's close in size to put that armor on them. Right? If, they, if it was all because of Saul's armor being too big, they would have just found one that fit. Right? But instead, it said, he tried in vain to go. It try, he tried in vain to go. He was trying to fight in an army, he, or an armor he was not prepared to fight in. Okay. He had not trained in. If you remember last week, Pastor Chad had that awesome message about being battle ready. I love that message. I've been thinking about it all week. That's why we're where we're at today. Uh, the message today has actually been called basic training. Chad talked about, Pastor Chad talked about the armor weighing probably somewhere around 100 pounds that you would be wearing. Right? And you would have to practice. You'd have to move in it. You'd have to be ready for it. But that wasn't how David was practicing. David said he was fighting lions and bears. He was protecting sheep. He was practicing in a way that Saul and them weren't practicing. So whenever Saul offers him what he had, 
There's no way he could have moved in it. It would have been in vain. He would have been actually at a disadvantage in that armor than he would have been at an advantage. It was better for him to go out in what he knew and what he'd been practicing than it was to take somebody else's armor. Right? So he has that, and it tells us that he took them off, and he said, uh, I can't go on these. I have not tested them. And uh, as a guy who was in the military... I will tell you, you think you're really ready for the military until you get there. Like, I was 18, I was young, I had lots of energy, I was very great shape. When I went in the military, I, I did physical exercises from the morning I woke up until, until late at night. And uh, I walked into it with much confidence. Uh, I knew the physical training part of it, what you had to pass for the test. I can max it all. I was great at it. And uh, until you realize that physical training test is a small part of it, right? It's a little part of it. And so I come into basic training, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. My mom provided me with anything I ever needed for for what I needed. And uh, so we had this big suitcase, big ugly red suitcase, and uh, I packed everything I thought I needed with it, and I, I take it, and I go, and uh, I know it was an ugly suitcase, but people said, that's an ugly suitcase. So that's how you know your suitcase is ugly. But it's all I had, right? It's all we had, and it was... So we go, and we get there to basic training, and... and when we get out of the bus, they take this little area, the drill sergeant comes in, your platoon people are there, all the young people, guys there. And the drill sergeant comes in and he said, everybody line up, get outside. And you get outside and you have all your stuff. And he says, pick up your stuff. And I got this big, big suitcase. And honestly, I was probably a little better off than some of the others because some of them had multiple bags, right? And they said, now pick up your bags. Pick up all you have and let's go. If you fall behind, you'll be done. And we took off running. Has anybody ever ran with a giant suitcase? I was pretty good at running until you're trying to hold a giant suitcase in your hand trying to run. Right? I wasn't prepared. Right? So I'm switching hands, trying to bear hug this thing, going back and forth. I was probably about middle of the pack. Because some people didn't pack hardly anything. They had people prepare them. I did not. The guys who were greatly out of shape, who didn't even prepare for that part, they were in the back getting yelled at the most, so I was a little bit relieved of that. But you walk in and you're just not ready. I didn't have the equipment to run anyway with a bag. You don't run with a suitcase. If you're going to run in battle with anything, you're going to run with a rucksack on a pack that's packed properly to be able to move where you need to go, right? So we go through basic training. By the end of basic training, I can have a flak vest on, which is like a bulletproof vest type thing. I could have uh, my belt on. I can have everything on, helmet, boots, everything, and I could run. I could have a backpack on my back, and I could run for hours. You weren't going to stop me, right? But it's because I went through the proper training to teach me how to use what I needed to use. When I went into it, I was not ready, right? And uh, I'm going to talk about that because some of us are trying to fight a battle with an armor we've never actually trained in, right? Pastor Chad did a great job last week explaining uh, Ephesians 6 to us. And I'm going to go back to it again because... The only thing I didn't like about Pastor Chad's message last week was he only had an hour in it. That message could have been three or four hours and he could have kept going and added so much to it because there was so much meat in that. It was an awesome message. I loved it. And if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it after this. It uh, it was great and you need to know it. He was talking about uh, what that battle would look like, right? And I'm, I'm going to... Go into uh, Ephesians 6 right here in uh, verse 10. And I'm going to read a little bit of it, and we're going to go through and give you... I'm going to try to help you understand how we train in those, right? Not just the battle. So it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle with, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand firm. And, and uh, since you can't just stop right now and go listen to Pastor Chad's message from last week, I'll explain to you that he pointed out that that battle was not like a wrestling like we see today. It was a wrestling of the last person standing. You would fight to the death, or at least until you could not get up anymore. And uh, so that's the kind of battle they were preparing for. That's what we are fighting. We are fighting a battle that we need to be the last one standing. Right? We can't give up. And uh, and I would venture to say sometimes a lot of the battles that come against us, we're losing. Right? And I want you to understand that if you lose a battle, it doesn't mean you lost the war. It's not time to give up. We just have to train how to win the battles. Okay? There's many a battles, very rarely it's happened, but very rarely is a war won by one battle. It's usually multiple. Over and over and over, and you just keep getting up and you keep fighting. So it said, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And I love that scripture there. Pastor Chad talked about it last week, that you would have that holding everything together, right? And that if it's tight around you, it's hard not to stand because it hurts when you sit down and you have to loosen it to sit down or go to bed. It would be the only time that it would be loosened, right? But if you're sitting down or if you're in bed, you're vulnerable, right? Truth always has to be tight. Truth has to always be close. It has to hold everything together, right? And First uh, Kings 19.1, uh, uh, just to give an example of somebody who who did not have their belt on in this moment, and uh, you're going to think it's Elijah, and you're going to think, well, Elijah was awesome. And he was. But even he felt some battles here and there, right? It says in verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent out a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She's telling him, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. Right? Then he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father. And uh, just so you know, just a chapter before, like right before this, there was 450 Bell prophets. There was 400 Asherah prophets who were trying, they were putting in front of Elijah... Our God reigns over their false gods. Elijah has 850 prophets slaughtered. Then he goes out and he prays that rain would come upon the land and rain comes from a huge drought. God had showed his hand. Right? I, I don't know. I'm just thinking like, if God just used me to kill 850 false prophets of a false god, a lady telling me her God is going to let me kill, like her kill me, I'm probably not afraid. I say that, but for some reason he allowed what she said to supplant what God had told him about victory, protecting him, taking care of him. God had spoke to Elijah that he was with him. And one word from this woman brought doubt. And as soon as we start doubting how big our God is and how much God protects us, we're crying out, God, just take it away. God, why am I here? I'm just ready to die. Let me go. I'm done. And that's where Elijah was. He allowed lies to get into his heart. He forgot the truth that God told him. When God speaks to you and he says, I've got you, 
I'm going to get you through this. Guess what? He can't lie. He's going to get you through it. He has it. We have to stand on that. We have to remind ourselves that daily. And that's why it tells us that we have to have the belt of truth. We have to have truth. And truth comes from this place right here. Truth doesn't come from what Pastor Chad tells me, what Ryan may tell me, what Laura may tell me. Now, they may get truth out of this, but it's not what they think. It's what God tells me. If you're not in the Word, if you're not reading your Bible, you're going to be lacking for truth. It's going to be easy for somebody to trip you up whenever they come to you and they say, they tell you some kind of lie. Well, I think God is okay with this. You should already be prepared to have the truth in your heart ready to say, no, that's not what my God says. My God says this, right? We have to be prepared with truth by reading it. Then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And this is, uh, this is very, uh, important in the fact that it's saying having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not saying walking in our breastplate of righteousness. It's saying putting on the breastplate of righteousness. You can't walk in your own righteousness. You've tried. Every time you try to walk in your own righteousness, you fail. Because you can't be right with God. But you can put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ whenever whenever Satan's trying to tell you you don't belong, or when Satan's trying to when the enemy's trying to make you doubt who you are or where, who you belong to or whatever it is, and he's like, you're not good enough. You know what? You're not. But Jesus is. We have to remind ourselves every single day that I can't do it on my own, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that I walk in, I'm protected. Right? We walk in that. Uh, we'll share Exodus 3, verse 9. Uh, we know this story. We hear it a lot. Moses is standing in the wilderness in front of a burning bush. And God tells him, Now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He just discounted who he was. And he said, But I will be with you. It's what God tells him. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought my people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Now, we know, because we have Scripture, that the reason why he was doubting was multiple reasons. One was, you know, this is only first, or chapter 3 in Exodus. So if you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's so much in that that has already went on that Moses should have kind of got, like, figured out that God was pretty awesome. But, you know, Pharaoh's killing all the babies in, in the Israel, uh, Israelite babies because of prophecy. Moses is floated down a river. Pharaoh's daughter comes and gets him and puts him in the palace. He knows Pharaoh personally, intimately, raised in the household of Pharaoh. He has this burden, this great anointing to free the Israelites. So whenever he sees an Egyptian persecuting an an Israelite, he kills him. Right or wrong, he kills him. Come on in, buddy. You don't have to be quiet. It, uh... He kills him. Right? I love those boys. So Moses comes out the next day and the Israelites are judging him for what he did. In fear, he takes off running. He hides in the wilderness for 40 years. Because he felt like he was wrong. He felt like he wasn't right. He had no righteousness in himself. But then God 
appears to him in a burning bush. And it's easy for us to say, man, if God appeared to me in a burning bush, I'd know he's for me. I don't know. You don't know. You never had God appear to you in a burning bush. But at this point in time, God's telling him, you're right with me. I'm going with you. This is my plan. We're doing it together. And Moses doubted. He wasn't walking in the righteousness of God. He was trying to still walk in his own doubt and how unright he was. Every day you have to remind yourself of God's righteousness. Every single day and how you walk in his righteousness, not in yours. Right. It's because of him we can do anything. It is not because of anything we've done. You will fail daily. That does not stop you from walking in God's righteousness. That does not give you the right to give up. That does not give you the reasoning to say, I'm just going to sit here. Right? For 40 years he did that. And choose. And it says, as and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And that comes from Isaiah 52, 7. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news and happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. This is an old war thing. When a king would conquer an area or a king would go to battle and the king was victorious, it would be spread out. There would be people who would go out and share the gospel of peace, of good news, telling you that the king has won. We are victorious. You are safe. We are free. We have the real good news. We have the true gospel. We should never walk around in fear that we can't move forward because Jesus has already conquered everything. We're not trying to we're not trying to re-win this nation. We're trying to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We're trying to grow a kingdom here. We're trying to share the good news here. We have the gospel of peace that he's already taken care of. We just have to go out and share it. We just have to be ready to move, right? And uh the 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 thought of the one I don't know what I just did. There we go. The thought of the ones who I, I think about who, who, who were not prepared in this were the very ones who should have been the most prepared were the apostles and the disciples who were following Jesus. Jesus had told them the plan over and over. In three days, I'm going to die, and in three days I'm going to rise, and the kingdom's going to be here. The kingdom's in hand. And the moment Jesus died, they had no peace. Instead, they had fear. Their fear made them lock themselves inside, not able to do anything that Jesus had called them to do. Because they didn't understand the good news. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing, right? Just like often when we're going through something, we don't understand what Jesus is doing. It's just so big, we lock ourselves inside. We stop, we give up, we don't move, right? It wasn't until Jesus reappeared to them, they got the revelation of the gospel and understood that nothing can stop what God is doing. They stood up and they changed the world. 2,000 years later, millions upon millions upon millions of people are following that movement that was started between behind them when they finally understood the gospel of peace and were ready to move forward in it. You need to understand that. You need to understand that Jesus made a way. He's the conquering king. You're going to live forever. If you die in the flesh, you're still going to live forever. Who can stop that? What on this earth should be stopping you? You should be the most powerful people in the world. We should walk out of here understanding nobody, nobody can stop me. Because I'm doing the will of God. Right? Nobody. We should have be the most confident people in the world in Him. We get to know the truth. We're righteous in Him. And we have this gospel of peace that nobody can take away. Right? And uh, I want to point out a little thing here. Like those three. Truth. Righteousness. 
gospel of peace. Those three things are a firm foundation you stand on. Right? Those are what uh, commentaries would say are the armor foundation, the foundation of your armor. Right? Because in Scripture, as you read them, every time on those three it says, having this, having this, having this. And then we take a change. You're no longer just having those as your foundation. Now you're starting to take something with you. The next three talk about what you're taking with you. Okay? But those first three you have to have as your foundation to be able to move forward and be a servant of God. Okay? It says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. And uh, I love Pastor Chad explaining this last week, the gigantic shield. It's not a little bitty shield. It's a shield that covers you from head to toe. This would be a heavy shield. One of the things that uh, that you hear in this scripture is, is it said it extinguishes all the flaming darts, a lesser shield that was not made properly whenever a dart, uh, the reason why they would catch the arrow on fire is because it would burn your shield, right? When it hit your shield, your shield would catch on fire. You would throw it down, leaving you, leaving you vulnerable, and then the enemy could take you out quickly. They put something on these shields. I have no idea what. I'm assuming a chemical or some sort, whenever a dart would hit it or a... a uh, arrow would hit it, it would go out. It would not catch on fire. It, uh, they were safe behind it. Completely utmost safety. No matter what the enemy would shoot at them, they were safe. I'll tell you another neat thing about those shields. Those shields were made to not only protect you, but protect your, your family, your friends, your, your loved ones. You were, uh, you were going out in the battle not as one. You were going out in the battle as a platoon, as a multitude, right? So, say I have these three boys with me, Jonathan, Josiah, and Luke. And we're going into battle, and I have my shield, and I'm holding my shield. I'm not completely covered in the front. There's a possibility of an arc com- uh, uh, arrow coming from the side or the back of me. But if I have these boys with me, and we're all four out there in battle together... They can have their shield on one side, the other one on the other side, and one behind me, and we're all completely covered. Because we're not made to go to war alone. We're made to go to war together. And if we're all locked together and we're in war together and our shields are doing what they're called to do, the enemy can't get to us. Whenever I'm having a rough day and the enemy's trying to hit me and I go to Pastor Chad, Pastor Chad's right there with a shield. Listen, brother, this is what God's telling you. Right? He's here to help protect me, right? When I go to Curtis, Curtis is like, hey man, my shield's here to protect you. And we're here to protect each other, to help one another in this. I wrote down some of the things that uh, that Satan's always trying to hurl at us, right? And uh, with these fiery arrows, things like our thoughts. He's always trying to get thoughts in your mind. Anybody ever realize whenever you're going through something, you're thinking a million different things? None of them have happened yet, but you've cooked up this whole thought process. Anybody ever had a a battle with somebody in their head before they even went and talked to the person? They knew what was going to happen before they got there, and you get there and you're like, oh, that was nothing like I expected, right? But you're anxious going into it because you cooked it up in your mind that, hey, this is what's happening, right? Right? But faith should say, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go into this and God's going to take care of it. And we shouldn't be trying to figure it out on our own. We just let God go and do it. We have a good God. Another one is feelings. You ever just felt like you didn't belong or you're feeling like everybody hates you or the world's coming against you and you get these feelings of struggle and you just stop. But your faith should be telling you instead, God loves you. You belong to God. I put these people around you for a reason. Right? Our faith in Him should be getting us through everything instead of letting our feelings overwhelm us. Right? 
along with our thoughts is imagination, how much we think stuff up, how bad everything's going to be. We, we can blow a situation up bigger than anything, right? We, we can see a little bitty uh, grass fire, and we can blow it up as a whole forest being on fire, right? Our imaginations go wild sometimes. That's also part of why we need those brothers and sisters around us with their shields. Because whenever mine's starting to come down, they can come up and put it around me and say, hey, have faith, brother. Jesus is here. And fear. Fear is a big one. Everybody in the Israel army was afraid of Goliath. Everybody. To the point they couldn't move, it says. And you know how crazy that is? Because the Israeli army in all of history has been one of the most well-trained armies in the world. Known as being fearless. Right? Even when I was in the army, we knew we had the best army in the world, but we knew they had the best soldiers because they were so well-trained. And ladies, a lot of times when we talk about war and battles, we think about men in battle. Israel is actually the first was the first army to ever put women into combat. Oftentimes we think about, you know, this whole thing of, you know, people want to say Christianity or Judaism is, is a chauvinist. It's not. Women can fight. And God's going to put you in the fight. And the last one I want to talk about is lies. Kind of like with Elijah. He was lied to. Right? He, he believed what she said, but she had no power. She had no authority. She couldn't do what she said she was going to do. Just calling on a false god. Our government, our media, we see lies everywhere in this world right now. Friends, family, lies are everywhere. But the truth of God always comes through. Right? We should have faith to know that what scripture says, what I hear in prayer, What God has told me, I have faith in it. I believe it. God can't lie. Everybody else is if they do not line up with Scripture. Then it says, take the helmet of salvation. So I can't leave without the helmet of salvation. I I mean, I have to protect my head. Everybody knows that a headshot kills. Snipers... Know that you can get a body shot and probably put somebody down, but if you hit them in the head, you're, you're guaranteed. Right? Body shots, easier to hit. It's a bigger area, but a head shot, you go down. Satan's no different. He knows if he can get in your head, he's got you. At the least, he's disoriented you enough to come in and finish you off. At the least. Right? And, uh, He calls it the helmet of salvation because I honestly believe every single day when you wake up, you need to remind yourself of your salvation. You need to remind yourself that Jesus died on the cross, making a way for you. He rose from the dead and you are guaranteed eternal life forever and nothing could ever change that. You know what? When you remind yourself of that every single morning and throughout your day, everything gets a little less hard. The big things become littler because you realize this ain't even where your home is. Right? You start living in a way that you realize, hey, there's something better for me than this. Things become a lot easier when we protect our minds from, from worldly things and get focused on heavenly things. When we get focused on God. Right? And then it goes on and it says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God... As I said, if you don't have the truth of Scripture, right? But you also got to be able to quote it, right? You got to be able to share that very word. Uh, I don't know if I put it in here. Yeah, I did here in a minute. But uh, being prepared in the Word at all times, always being ready to to fight, always being ready with the, the actual Scripture. If you don't know the Word of God, if you have not read Scripture... When you get into the battle and the enemy's coming at you and you're like, 
I don't know. Maybe I need to add, call Pastor Chad and see what he says. Or, wow, uh, maybe if I call Keevan, he can give me a good word here to fight the battle with. You're trying to fight with somebody else's armor in that moment, right? You need to have your own armor. You need to be ready yourself. You need to be in the Word of God instead of trying to take what somebody else is going to tell you or what you ask somebody else to. Don't fight in somebody else's armor. You be prepared. You get in the Word. You study the Word. I don't care if it takes you five months to get through the book of Matthew. Beautiful. You're going to retain it a lot quicker. Right? But you have to begin studying. You have to begin training yourself when somebody comes to you and be like, God doesn't love you. And you say, oh, contrary to what the Scripture says, this. Rattle off John 3.16 over and over if you have to. It doesn't matter. Start rattling off whatever you've read recently that gives you faith and hope, right? But you have to be prepared to be able to do that. And you get to a point where you're so trained in your Bible that whenever somebody starts to come against you or somebody's out there and you got to speak to them, the Holy Spirit begins prompting you with the right words. But those words have to be in your heart and in your mind for the Holy Spirit to be able to bring them back out. Right? It takes preparation by you. The Holy Spirit can't do it. Well, He can, but He's not going to do it on His own. He wants you prepared for battle. Right? And we do that in a lot of ways. We do, we do have to train. We have to practice. You know, Scripture in uh, Proverbs 27 says, iron, iron sharpens iron, right? So one person, person sharpens another. We, we train with one another. You train with that. A swordsman does not go out with a sword the first day he gets it and starts trying to sh- chop up stuff because it doesn't matter how many times he's practiced in the air until he's practiced against somebody or with somebody. He doesn't have any real skills. But we do things like Bible studies. We do things like men's group. We do things like uh, Sunday service or, or you can gather together and speak about Scripture. We do those things to sharpen ourselves, to make sure our skills are there, to make sure we're right in what we're doing, right? And uh, as I said, the Israel army, one of the most trained armies there was. David's mighty men, uh, Margie and I talked about the other day, if, uh, David's mighty men were probably the most well-trained soldiers of all time for what they were facing. Greatest military ever. But they had to practice over and over and over. So their, ironing, their iron was sharpening iron, right? They practiced and they practiced and they practiced. No good soldier would ever go into the battle, into any battle, without practice first. You don't enlist a guy in the army and send him directly into war. No, you, you start training him. You prepare him to where you can put him in the battle. And if you haven't been preparing, and yet you're still trying to fight a battle, let me tell you, you're going to lose. You're not ready. You have to be preparing at all times. And your battle's going to get bigger and bigger. I promise you. Doesn't mean you give up. Hiding doesn't really matter. If you're hiding, you've already lost the battle. Right? You're not at war if you're hiding. Then it says, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. Praying at all times. We know Scripture, even Paul said to pray without cease. That doesn't mean you just sit down on your knees and sit there and pray forever. No, it means you're walking in prayer. You're walking in fellowship with the Lord, right? Uh, Mark nine twenty nine says, uh, this is after the apostles tried to cast out demons and they couldn't get them cast out. And Jesus goes and he casts them out and he says, So he said to them, This kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. The interesting thing is, he didn't stop and pray and fast. Because he was already praying and fasting before he got into the moment. If you're waiting until you're in the moment to start preparing, you'll be just like those apostles and you won't have a victory. But we should be praying and preparing and fasting and letting God lead us and prepare us for the moment. Whenever you get into that moment, you're already prepared and you will win that battle every time. 
But you have to be preparing before you get there. You have to be ready before you get there. You can't go into a battle unarmed. You can't go into the battle without a sword. You can't go into the battle ill-prepared for the fight you're going into. Or you'll lose. My first day of training, uh, a boot camp when I went in, or basic training, my first day in there, I was very confident. And if they would have sent me out to war, I would have died the first day. Guaranteed it. I knew how to shoot guns. I didn't know how to shoot the guns. They knew how to shoot. And honestly, I was on tanks, so it would have been worse. I would have just been looking at this big old tank saying, what do I do with this thing? Right? I would have sat there and somebody would have shot me as I'm looking at it. You have to be prepared. You have to be trained. You have to prepare before you get there and you train for days on end. And then you train and you train. And the military soldiers get tired of all the training they go through. They're like, oh, why do I got to go through this training again? It's because you got to stay sharp. you got to stay prepared. You don't know when battle may rise up. When 9-11 happened, most soldiers sat there and they're like, uh-oh. It's here. But they were trained. They could go in because they were trained. Right? And it closes out in that. It says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. That's praying for each other. That's helping each other. Not giving up on each other. Helping one another. We're to do this together as a team, as an army. We're not in it alone. If you're at home trying to do this by yourself, you're going to fail. Guaranteed. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Be praying for your leaders, guys. We need it. I guarantee you we need it. It's tough. Do it. For which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is a man who's writing from a prison. He's in chains at the moment. He's saying it. And, uh, I'm going to close out here in a second in Genesis 3. And uh, the most picked on people ever in history, Adam and Eve. Like, nobody's been made fun of, talked bad about more than Adam and Eve ever have been, and I'm going to do the same today. So I'm just going to pile on to it. Nobody's had it worse than they've had it. Uh, I mean, you're talking 6,000 years or whatever it is, they've been sitting there getting beat on the whole time. And uh, they earned it, they earned it, but it's a lot. And uh, we just pile it on. And, uh, but I. I do want you to understand a battle takes training. God gave us the armor. He told us how to do it. We just have to train in it. We have to be prepared, right? Or you're going to get knocked down and you're going to get knocked down and you're going to get knocked down. So, Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. I want to read that one more time, and I want you to listen to how that's worded. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. It doesn't say he was the most crafty thing that God made. He said the most crafty beast. The humans should have been more crafty than him. They should have been prepared. They were created and given dominion over all the beasts. There's no reason why they should have ever been outwitted by a serpent. No reason whatsoever. The serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you shall die. This is a woman who knew some truth but didn't know all truth. You can read Genesis 1 and 2 all the way up until this moment and you will never see where God tells them they can't touch the fruit. God said you can't eat of the fruit. You can't eat of the fruit lest you shall die. So when a serpent starts touching the fruit and he's not dying... 
She's not standing on truth. She's actually deceived because of the fact that he can touch a fruit and not die, even though she thought, if I touch it, I'll die. So automatically, there's already something spinning in her head because the truth wasn't you couldn't touch it. I don't know if Adam told her that or if she just added that in. I'd assume Adam probably told her that because like we do with kids where it's like, don't go anywhere near that, it'll hurt you really bad. Well, going near it don't hurt you. Touching it might, but but we over-exaggerate it to try to protect people at times. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. But God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, to this point, Adam and Eve have been walking with God the whole time. And I can't imagine how in awe of God they are. When a serpent tells them, you'll be just like him if you eat this. You start thinking, man, I'd love to be like him. Right? I'd love to be just like that man. God is so good, I want to be like him. I can't imagine how how she was thinking it. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate and i think oftentimes we will believe lies in america to think it's for the good this makes me wiser. Anybody ever, don't speak it, but you ever had a point to where you've met Christians who's figured out stuff other Christians just don't know? I know what they don't know. The other Christians are deceived, but this is the truth. And we get that point. We like knowing more than other people at times. She thought she had it figured out. Now, if she had her shield up, it wouldn't have came through. And if Adam had his shield right beside her, he could have protected her. But Adam's sitting around. She let her shield down because she had already been deceived. And she's not right standing with the Lord. Right? Or her breastplate ain't there. The faith ain't there. She should have actually, first thought should have been, God said it, I believe it, I trust it. Nothing changes it. I trust him more than anybody. Should have been her thought, right? But it wasn't. So then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The eyes of both were open. Before this, like literally right before... Chapter 3, the last thing it says in chapter 2 is is they were naked and unashamed. They weren't covered in anything they can make for themselves. They were covered in the righteousness of God and they were unashamed about the righteousness of God. But as soon as they sinned, it said their eyes were open. But their eyes weren't opened by God. It was opened by a deception. It was opened by sin. They now seen things that weren't really there. Right? And we're going to see that here in a minute. Ooh. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So now they're trying to cover their sins. They're trying to do it themselves. They're trying to make themselves clean or right or covered. And you can't do that. Actually, Pastor Chad teaches it a lot that God actually had to kill an animal, make a sacrifice just to cover them in that moment. Later on, Jesus has to make the sacrifice to truly cover us forever. But there had to be a sacrifice made. They're trying to do it on their own, and they couldn't. God had to do it for them. And they had the, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And a man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And many of us have been at a place where we try to hide from God. We know we're wrong. We know we're not right with Him. We know something isn't good. And we try to hide. I want to forewarn you. Something you already know, but you forget. You can never hide from God. He knows right where you're at. Right? 
Best thing is to do is just walk right out there, unashamed, confessing all that you've done, where you're at. You can't hide it from God. And when you're trying to hide it from God and you're in hiding, you're not being used. You're not moving forward. You've lost the battle again because you're trying to hide from the very one who can clean you and make you right. Right? But the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? And this whole little interaction right here, you can do a whole message on. I know I've done it. You can go for hours on end in this little action. But he says, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid because I wasn't right with you. I was afraid because nothing's covering me. He was out of God's covering at this moment because he was doing his own thing. Same thing with Moses. Moses felt like he wasn't right with God when God called him. We do this. We try to hide because we're not prepared. Adam and Eve had no armor on at all. Like They weren't prepared. They didn't know this body of armor thing because Paul didn't teach it until probably three or 4,000 years later. But they're walking with the very one who was preparing them and he gave them all authority. They uh, they had no peace because at this point they're still trying to cover themselves. They didn't know the gospel. They didn't know that God was taking care of them. Us, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know He died for us. We know He covered our sins. We know we we are right with Him. But they didn't have any clue that they were right. They had no sense of peace to be able to move forward. Right. Every part of what the armor protects us from, they had. They did not have it. They even got to the point because the one command they really had was, well, they had a few. One was tend the garden and all that. But the one thing they couldn't do was don't eat from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan made them question even that. So they had no idea even how to walk in truth. They didn't understand the word. They could have just spoke it right and... uh They didn't have a helmet. They didn't know who they belonged to in this. They didn't realize that God loved them and they, they belonged to Him the whole time. At this time, they're, they're confused as can be. And uh, I can go on with this whole story. And I do want to also tell you, a lot of people say, well, it wasn't really fair because Adam and Eve were unprepared or they were left out there vulnerable. They had all dominion. They walked daily with Jesus in the garden or who it may just been God himself. We believe it was a Christophany of Jesus walking in the garden. So they were walking with Jesus in the garden. All they would have had to do is one thing. They could have said, you know what, serpent, you may be right. I'll ask God when he gets here. The same thing we should do whenever we're struggling with something. should go to God. God, Lord, what is going on here? I'm having doubts. Help me, Lord. Speak to me. Tell me. All they had to do is say, hey, when God gets here, we'll ask him what he meant. That simple. Like, you're talking one day, maybe not even, actually, this doesn't even look like one day, and it looks like God was there about an hour or two later. Wouldn't it took long for them to say, hey, we'll figure it out here in a minute. We've been here a long time, we can wait just a few more hours to eat this thing, if that's what God wants us to do. Then he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to? Oftentimes we feel like we're not covered, that we're naked, that we have no covering, that God's not there. And I want to ask you, who told you that? Who told you you're not walking with God? Who told you God's not with you? Who told you these things like you're not covered, that you're not uh, protected, that you're not righteous? under God. Who told you all these things in your head? Who told you that? It wasn't God. Because God's truth tells you something way different. Right? If you're standing on God's truth and you're walking in God's truth, the rest of this never even hits your mind. But God asked him, who told you that? Because he didn't think of it on his own. God knew that. Something had to happen for him to come to that thought process. And something has to happen to us for us to stop believing That we belong to God. And He's going to protect us. And He's walking with us. Right? And then we're made right with Him. The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, 
She gave me fruit of the tree I ate. It, uh, how often do we go to God and kind of pass aggressively pass the blame to Him for what we're going through? Well, God, you're the one who put me in a situation. Well, God, you're the one who allowed it to happen. God, why are you allowing this? Right? That's what he's doing here. Well, you're the one who gave me the woman, God. It's your fault. Right? Or he could have said, I am so sorry, God, that I didn't protect the woman you gave me. That would have been a way better response. But he didn't. He's trying to pass the blame. Trying to blame somebody else. It couldn't be his fault. Right? Then the Lord said to the the woman... What is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. Still not her fault. Right? It's always somebody else's fault. But we're we're armored up. We can take the blame. We can say, I failed, God. But because of your righteousness, because of your word, because of salvation, because of the gospel, what God did for me, what Jesus did for me, Right? All these things, I know you're going to take care of it, and I appreciate that. I love you. I thank you. But we have to be training. We have to be walking. We have to give it over immediately, like capture those thoughts. Immediately, always being prepared. Ephesians 6, remember it this week. Read it over and over, preparing yourself. Uh, Don Brown, friend of the ministry, he... uh he told me there was a few years where every morning he would go through the exercise as if he's actually putting on the armor of God to remind himself of it. Maybe you do that. Do whatever it takes for you to remember every day to walk in this armor. Practice. Practice, practice, practice. If you're not practicing, you're going to do like David almost did and you're going to go into battle in vain. Right. He was trying to go in, in, in the wrong armor in vain. But he went, when he went in what God called him to do, who God was, he had victory. Victory is ours. If we're walking with the Lord and doing what He's calling us to do. The worship team, you can come up. I, uh, I'm going to close here in a second, but I do want to remind you that we all train, we all practice, we should be As soldiers of God, we should be the greatest soldiers ever. We should be meeting together. We should be that whole iron sharpening iron. We should be doing that daily. We should always be preparing. Gather with one another. Meet together. Fellowship together. Send texts to each other. It's easier for us to gather in that than any... Like back in the day, they had to actually go somewhere, meet somebody. You can call somebody now. Say, hey, help me out here. Jason, I need your help. Right? Jason does that with me a lot, and I do it with him. Hey, let me run this by you. What do you think about this? Right? You have to train. You have to practice. Soldiers do it. You will never... I say not never. I won't say never. God has had some battles with people that that won out of very little training. He did it with Gideon and other ones. But... Gideon also almost didn't go into that battle because he wasn't prepared. He didn't realize who he was in God. He thought he was the least of the least and he thought he wasn't worthy and God said, you are worthy. And it wasn't until he figured out he belonged to God that he was ready to be moved into battle. We are going to train. We are going to be in a battle and I'm going to give you the word God gave to me in prayer the other night. And uh, We're in the middle of prayer and what God showed me was we are a church under attack. And as we were in prayer the other night, we couldn't see a face in this place that isn't going through it. I'll be honest with you, everybody I do ministry with outside of this church, going through it. We're going through it right now. God's hitting us. I'm going to tell you, He's preparing us. We are in training. You think it's bad now? Wait. When I was in the army... There was always leaders. There was always people who were higher ranked than me. And you would listen to them because they had a little bit of training. 
But the people you really listen to were those who's been through something. Right? When I was in the army, I wasn't too far removed from Desert Storm. I was about four or five years after Desert Storm. Those people who went to Desert Storm, when they spoke, you listened. Because they seen it. They've been through it. They had real battle experience. Some people trained, but some went through it. Some were fighting. Those who fought, you were just like, hey, they're the real deal. When they spoke, they knew what they were talking about. Right? Because they were prepared. When I got sent to Macedonia for six months, when I was going into it, there was people preparing me who had been there. I could listen to them because they knew what we were preparing for. When I got out of there and I went back to a regular unit, people listened to me because I'd been somewhere. I've done something. Right? God's preparing you. You're going through something right now. So when people start coming in and you're starting to minister to people on your own, they'll listen to you. You've been through it in that moment. But if you don't make it through it, you can't help them. They're not going to listen to you. Sure, we'll, we'll teach them what Scripture says and we'll, we'll show them what we've been trained in. But they want to see the guy who's been through battle. They want that woman who's went through it and made it to the other side and said, this is what it looks like. I've seen it. I'm going to pray. And if you need prayer, the altar's open. We'll pray for you. You come up here to the altar, but we're going to pray and we're going to, we're going to armor up. And we're going to be ready for this because we don't want to go into battle untrained. We don't want to go into battle as kids. Right? You wouldn't put your seven-year-old into a battle because they're not ready. And you may not be ready. But we're going to get you ready. We want you ready. Most importantly, you have to get yourself ready. You've got to be training daily. Okay? So uh, as Ryan worships, we're going to pray. And then, like I said, the altar will be open. You can pray yourself or we'll pray for you. So, Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. I thank you for your armor, Lord. Thank you, God, that you said that we're made right with you. I thank you, God, for the gospel of peace, Lord, that nobody could ever take my life with you away, Lord, and I will live forever with you, God. God, thank you for that shield. To be able to keep all the things Satan will hurl at me away, Lord. Thank you, God, for the for salvation, God. That you did it when I couldn't. God, prepare us to go into battle, Lord. Prepare us to walk, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, to be guided, to be able to speak the things of you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would see victories in our battles, Lord. And whenever we would fall, Lord, that we'd get back up and keep going, Lord. Not to hide, but to be reminded of all these things, Lord, that you've done for us. And who you are, God, because we don't win on our own. We only win in you. I thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some of the greatest stories of battles in history or where it looks like somebody's about to be done. They look like they're finished, like they're over. And in that last moment, they just come up and they just have victory. And the Lord was showing me that many of us feel like we're like Rocky. Right? Rocky's getting knocked down round after round after round. He looks like he's done. He he trained to take a beating. (laughs) And it's a movie. But sometimes we get to the point where we get beat over and over and over and over and we get knocked down and we got to keep getting up. And you feel like I'm not going to win this. But you can't give up. 
You can't give up because in the end, we know victory is ours. It's promised to us in scripture. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. You have to keep fighting, right? We'll be like Rocky, knock Clever out, right? We'll be that way. We'll, we'll knock the enemy out. We can't be scared of the enemy against us, guys. Because the God with us is far bigger. Rocky was fighting for for Adrian. We're fighting for God. I think our 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 guy's a little bigger. I'm a little more confident in who we're fighting with, so I want you to remember that. Just because you've been knocked down over and over doesn't mean it's time to give up. It actually means it's time to start swinging. It just means you need to start attacking back. Someone closes in prayer and you're free to go or you can stay and pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are, Lord. God, let us not give up. Help us continue to stand, Lord. When we're too weak to stand, Lord, I pray you would put people around us to help hold us up, God. That you yourself would hold us up, God. I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here or anybody listening to this right now, Lord, that if they feel alone, that they would find people to come around them, Lord. That they would step into a place to where... They're fighting as an army, Lord, and not as an individual. God, help us be more diligent in trusting you and believing you and having faith in you. Protect us, Lord. Help us as we go throughout this week, God, to walk and to stand firm in who you are, God. Being ready to fight the enemy, Lord. To be ready to come against those things, Lord, that are trying to hold us back or to take us down. We need you, Lord. Ask your protection over these people, Lord. And I ask for victories, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all.